I'm Rosanna Scotto, co-host of Good Day New York. I think the secret to career longevity is never taking it for granted. Every day you have to go in there with a curiosity and enthusiasm because there's so many people who want your job. And you have to be willing to learn and try new things. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Rosanna Scotto has been a leading female news anchor in New York City for almost three decades. She talks about growing up in an Italian-American family in Brooklyn, breaking her first national story, and becoming one of the most successful news anchors in the Big Apple. So, Rosanna, you often speak about Brooklyn. What's your favorite memory growing up? Well, you know, I love Brooklyn because it was such a community. I remember, you know, walking home, and basically you could smell the aromas from everybody's kitchen. They always had the doors open. Nobody locked their doors. And you could smell what everybody's mom was cooking. I mean, those were the days that everybody's mom was home, uh, including mine. And, um, you know, you'd come home and you knew that you were going to have a nice meal, you know. And I I think I remember those and just kind of playing. One thing that was not allowed in my house was you had to come home and do your homework first before you went out to play. And it was pretty strict. And that was that. And um, those are my great memories of Brooklyn. You know, Um, I have a lot of friends uh, that don't live there anymore, but we're still friends and we get together and we go back to the old neighborhood and try different spots that are new uh, since we've moved out. How did you find your voice in a big family? Interesting. I'm not sure. I kind of, I'm the first child. And, you know, they say, you know, I always tease my brothers and sisters, the first child is kind of born with everything, you know, the smarts, the, the personality. And um, I was always, you know, the kid that my parents would say, Oh, look at Rosanna. Look what she's doing. Isn't she funny? Uh, She got an A on her report card. So it just, I kind of fell into the role. Um, When I was in grammar school, you know, I was trying to figure out my life in grammar school. And there was a woman on the air, Roseanne Scamardella, who was the queen bee of New York. She worked for Eyewitness News. And she also happened to be a friend of my family. And um, our names sounded alike. And um, my father said, you want to talk to Roseanne about her job? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And it was something that from that moment on, from talking to Roseanne, I wanted to do that. I wanted to have a career like she did. And she was always very helpful in um, my journey to this point. And how old were you when you had that first conversation? Uh, I'm going to say maybe seventh or eighth grade. What did you ask? I I just I I wanted to know how she got there. Did she have to go out of town? Um, She was the lucky one uh, because at that point um, they were just starting Eyewitness News and they were looking for an Italian-American, a Puerto Rican-American. You know, they were looking for uh, a melting pot of New York on Eyewitness News. And uh, she was a lawyer, Italian-American, and she was fearless, and she fit the bill right away. So she did not do the regular steps that most other people in the business do. And at the time, she made me sit down with Ernie Anastas, who was her co-anchor on uh, the news, 
And um, he told me his journey, how he started out of town, made his mistakes, came back, that kind of thing. And the way life has it, I then, you know, 20-something years later was anchoring with Ernie Anastas on the 10 o'clock news on Fox 5. <laughs> it was it was like, you know, a complete, you know, circle and um, fun. Did you picture that? Did you say that one day this is going to be my job? You know, it's so funny. I did picture that one day it was going to be my job. I didn't realize what went into it. And it's not as easy as it looks. And especially nowadays, you know, with social media and competing with all these stations, um, it's not any easier from when I started off as a kid from Brooklyn, you know, just getting my feet wet. You know, the, the business is evolving, changing, and you have to go with it. Otherwise, you're going to be on the curb. just want to back up for a sec. You went many years of Catholic school. What did that teach you? I think Catholic school gave me the foundation of who I am, Um, right from wrong, um, uh, a stability in my life. Uh, I'm going to say that there were times where I totally embraced it and then times where it was on the back burner. Uh, But, you know, as you go through life, the ups and downs, you find that it is a very comforting thing to have in your life. And I also raised my kids in the Catholic religion. They both went to Catholic school. I'm not going to say that their um, their, halo, their halos are on straight, but, you know, I always feel that when you have that basic education, uh, it's part of the fabric of who you are, and at some point in your life, you will need it. You uh, have spoken openly about your faith, and I'm wondering, have you ever faced any opposition or penalty for doing that? Mm. I I can't recall any opposition or penalty. You know, I I certainly can be a little bit more outspoken about it, you know, because of the format that I'm on right now, Good Day New York, which kind of encourages you to give your opinions on this. Um, I embrace any faith. I love tradition. Uh, I've studied Kabbalah. I've talked about that on the air to, at one point, the chagrin of my, uh, at that point, co-anchor, Greg Kelly, who was like, wait, you're Catholic. You're going to Kabbalah? And I said to him, Kabbalah is not a religion. It is basically a practice, which when when you start learning about other people's religions, you realize how much we have in common. So I enjoyed it. You do TM too, right? I do. I do Transcendental Meditation, which I am now trying to get my co-anchor, Lori Stokes, uh, to do. Um, it helps. You don't realize how overwhelmed you can become uh, in this job, raising a family, um, having a full-time job. I also have a family restaurant, which I also participate in, Fresco by Scotto. And all of a sudden, like, it can be like, what am I doing? Who am I? I can't think straight. Uh, And Transcendental Meditation forces you to take 20 minutes twice a day and just slow your brain down. And it's funny. It's almost like a good nap. And when you wake up, you're very focused. What would you say to women who are trying to learn something like that and say, you know what, I'm just too busy. I don't have a... You know, there are times I have to say I can't do it twice a day. I think that we all can find 20 minutes a day. And I know it's hard when you're raising children and they give you no peace. Um, But you need to find that peace 20 minutes a day because it really helps you cope with problems in a rational way.
Because <laughs> I, I, I tend to be a little overwrought, emotional, loud. Even when I'm happy, I'm loud, you know, and um, it just kind of settles you down. You come from a well-known family and the press wasn't always positive. How did you cope with that? It was not an easy thing. And I wonder if that was part of my reason of getting into the business to kind of control it and show that this is who we are, not whatever you read or hear. Um, I know, because I'm, I'm part of the media, that sometimes the media can be unfair. There are certain people who love to be unfair. And um, I think that, well, you know, you have to tackle it head on. And I think being part of that group has helped me control what what people have said about my family, which... I think has been unfair, and I also think um, untrue, and um, you can't always believe what you read and hear, and I'm just happy that I think people have gotten to know my family and I in a different light, and hopefully they'll get to understand us a little bit more. Early on, you worked for Ted Turner and also Regis Feldman. What did they teach you? Well, Regis, I have to say, was an amazing teacher. Um, I learned graciousness from Regis. You know, when Regis started uh, with our show, he was already a big deal. Like, he had already been around the block. And he was uh, taking this local show national. And I saw the way he treated the staff. And everybody was treated equally, as well as the guests that came on the show that day. Nobody was treated in a different manner. And I was like, I, I like that. I like that he makes me feel special. I like that I feel just as special as whoever was on the show that day. And um, I, try to te I try to treat the people that I work with the same way, uh, that they're important in my life, uh, as well as the people that come on our show every day. What do you say to women who have male mentors? How can they, I guess, make the most of that relationship? Well, I think male mentors are, you know, I, I was lucky I had a female mentor, but m male mentors as well along the way. And you know what? They know how to work the system. They know how to navigate the corporate ladder. There's a lot to be learned from, from men. And of course, you know, if you're, you're lucky enough to have a female mentor in your life, you can find out how to break the glass ceiling, which is not always that easy. And still, you know, we're all doing it in 2018. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. The Future of Everything podcast from the Wall Street Journal. Another new episode is coming soon. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal. 
I hear women aren't always so keen to mentor other women because they feel competitive with that woman, whether it's a younger woman or even an older woman sometimes. How, how, how come you were able to work around that and not have those issues? Uh, you know what? I I never thought of it that way. I I guess because I was lucky, I had Roseanne mentor me, and I feel like I need to do the same thing for someone else. Um, whenever we have new people in the building, I always say, come by and visit with me, and let's talk. And um, I definitely mentor females and males, and um, it's just a way to give back. You know, whatever is going to happen in your life is going to happen, whether you mentor the, that person and give them your experience or not. Um, and so I'm one of those people who believes you can't look behind you. You need to look forward and figure out what you're doing with your own life and not uh, worry about the people who are following in your footsteps. You have two adult children. You said you had morning sickness when you were pregnant and you would start to feel sick at work when you were on air. How did you handle that? Mind over matter. I, I remember uh, with Jenna, I was sick 24-7. She's my older child. And um, I remember telling the cameraman, and he, he still works for us at, at Fox 5, and he will tell you, I, would, I was a reporter during the week and weekend anchor, and we would be on stories, and I'd say, pull over. And I would either get sick or run to get an ice cream. I mean, like I was either constantly eating or constantly getting sick. Um, and when I was on the air anchoring, it'd be fine. Like I'd be so focused. But the minute I got off the air, I would get sick. What advice do you have for working moms? It's not easy. Um, it's a juggle. And you will be torn. It's emotional. There are days you don't want to go to work. Um, but I'm lucky because I had the support of my family and my husband, and my hours have always been a little unconventional. So it kind of worked in my life. I'm not saying it was perfect. There's no perfect way to go to work and leave children home uh, with someone else, but um, we made it work. Uh, I volunteered whenever I could at my kid's school. I went on every rickety bus trip to uh, – whatever place they had for a school trip. And, um, you know, you just try to be as involved as you possibly can be in their life. You've had a long marriage. What's the key to staying married for so long? Unconventional hours. My husband will tell you he sees me on the weekends. Um, usually I leave at 5 a.m. and he's sleeping. And when he comes home at 7 or 8 o'clock at night, I am starting to go into my twilight, so I'm not really going to argue with him at that point. I'm very sleepy. Um, but the weekends, you know, that's when we kind of get together and do stuff. I'm not saying that we don't do things during the week, but because the way the hours are, it gives you less time to argue. So um, I would suggest getting different hours than your husband <laughs> and seeing them only uh, one or two days a week. And it really keeps the marriage going. Where do you get your work ethic from? My parents. My parents have always had a very strong work ethic. Uh, they were never ones to say, you're sick, stay home, or you're, there's something going on in your life. I understand. It's okay. You can stay under the covers today. They'd be like, get out of that bed now. You're going to work. So I have always had that very kind of strong work ethic. I mean, I have to be on my deathbed to call out sick. 
Uh, there were days I've come in, I'm sneezing, I'm coughing on everybody around me, and I'm just waiting for the boss to say, you, you sound terrible, go home, and then I'll go home. But if they think I sound fine, I'm on the air that day. You always wanted to be an anchor, but you had to work as a reporter for a while first. Was that difficult having to wait? No. It was a learning process, and I'm glad that I had it because I do feel that when you have uh, a sense of the community, how uh, stories are put together, uh, the characters uh, that are part of your city, that it makes you a better anchor because you are a reflection of the community when you're sitting in that chair. I mean, I covered so many major stories in this city. Uh, one of them was the Woody Allen Mia Farrow uh, custody case. And um, we wound up getting the videotape of Dylan Farrow when um, her mom had made um, a videotape of events that she claims um, Woody Allen had, you know, touched her inappropriately. I mean, we made international news. I was on that story for a year. Um, it was a great learning experience on how to uh, navigate the judicial system, uh, how to deal with lawyers and celebrities because we were getting, you know, cease and desist from not only the lawyers but also from the public relations people there who were very not happy with some of our reports. Um, Woody Allen's people were constantly – in those days, they would fax you a note uh, about – how they felt. And um, it was a great learning experience. So I think that I think that you need to learn th- the area that you're working in and that just sitting behind a desk can get really boring if you don't know what you're doing. How can women make sure they're ready for that big break when it happens? Well, I, I just think that you have to constantly be learning every day. If I, I mean, every day I prepare myself for the next day, uh, reading politics or lifestyle, education, you name it. You have to be ready for the luck that may come your way. And um, just read, write, take it all in. You're synonymous with New York. What advice do you have for women who want to build a personal brand? You know, I'm still learning that. I am um, still learning about brands. I mean, you know, I never thought when when I was growing up, like, okay, you wanted to be an anchor. Okay, you'd be very happy and be an, an anchor. Now it's not enough. You need to do other things. Um, in addition to, you know, co-anchoring Good Day New York, um, I'm working on 30-minute specials. I have a Ricky Martin special coming up. We did something with him in Vegas. I do these 30-minute real estate uh, stories where I show low and high-end real estate. Social media is so important. I'm you know, heavily on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, you have to use every venue that you have out there. I haven't mastered the podcast yet. But I'm, I'm working on Doing that. great. Doing great. <laughs> Where did you get your passion for real estate from? You know, it's so funny. I kind of fell into it. Someone had suggested that I think about doing it because the, we weren't doing it on Fox 5. And I was like kind of skeptical because there were other real estate shows on the air. I wanted to figure out how to do something differently. And so I watched them all and I realized that their shows were kind of empty rooms with a real estate broker. I wanted the personality 
in those rooms. And so a lot of times we have the person who lives there. For example, we recently did something with Tommy Hilfiger in his apartment in the Plaza Hotel. Uh, Kelly Ben-Simone, uh, formerly of the Real Housewives of New York, uh, we went to her beautiful apartment house in the old police building. So we try to make these rooms come alive with stories rather than just taking a look at how pretty it is. You help many charities. What motivates you to give back? Well, I do feel blessed. Um, and I think that it's inconceivable that in this day and age there are people who don't have the basics of, you know, food water, reading material, books to go to school with. And so I like to do whatever I can to shine light on that and to help change somebody's life. How do you pick what to support? Um, I wind up going back to the same places. Like, for example, I'm very involved with HeartShare Human Services. I've been with them for 20 years. Um, it's a group uh, out of Brooklyn, and they deal with autism, foster children, uh, you name it, all kind of learning uh, disabilities and stuff like that. And you get to know the people who are part of the organization, and you can tell where their heart is, and you can tell where the money is. And I wound up sitting on the board, and so I really know where the money goes. And um, I just want to make a difference in somebody's life. And when you see that and you meet the people who – it, the money goes towards it just it just brings you such joy what have you learned from the restaurant business the restaurant business the customer is always right whether they're right or wrong <laughs> um, it's really it's it's a job of humility I mean when people come into fresco by Scotto which is in midtown Manhattan um, they'll see my mom they'll see my brother Anthony they'll see my sister Elena and they'll see me and, you know, we take people to their table. We pull out the table. If they need something, we'll get it for them. You know, it's it's a service industry. And either people like the food or they don't like the food. They like the service. They don't like the service. So we do our darndest that they have the best time and the most delicious meal. And so you realize that you're out to please them every day. And it's not about you. It's about them. How do you balance that with the show, the restaurant, the charity, kids? I'm exhausted. Uh, first of all, my kids are grown. So um, that's kind of off. The, the, you know, they're working, so I don't have to worry about running home at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But, um, you know, you just wind up one day, you know, you're in the restaurant. One day you're working your real estate show. Another day you're doing the charity you know, you, you organize. You have to be so organized in this job. And I'm not saying that I'm fantastically organized. There are days that things fall through the cracks. But yes, I pride myself in aiming to be organized. What advice do you have for women who are going to start a business or go into partnership with family? Oh, gee. You know, it's tough to work with family. It's a beauty. It's a beautiful thing when it works. It's a blessing um, to be able to work with my mom and my brother and my sister and everything. But, you know, you have to learn how when you have problems in the restaurant, you don't take them home. Um, a lot of times, you know, my mom likes to talk all the time. Like we'll go on vacation as a family and we'll say, you're not allowed to talk about the restaurant today. You have to learn how to cut it off. 
uh, because otherwise it becomes 24-7. And you hear about people whose, you know, business uh, decisions with their family has ruined their family. So you have to have definite lines in the sand when going into business with the family. What type of investor are you? I'm a terrible investor. Um, I definitely have people who do it for me because um, I'm not good. The only thing I wanted to buy was Apple, and that was years ago. And I had uh, a broker who told me not to. He didn't think it was a good investment. And I said, I don't care what you say. Just buy me a few shares of Apple. And I'm glad I have those few shares, but I think about it, and I really, if I would have, it was so cheap back then. Um, Oh, well, you can't look back, you know. What's the secret to career longevity? I think the secret to career longevity is never taking it for granted. Every day you have to go in there with a curiosity and enthusiasm because there's so many people who want your job. And you have to be willing to learn and try new things. I I think every day I go into work and I feel like a cub reporter. I mean, yesterday I was out there interviewing Robert De Niro for the Tribeca Film Festival. Now, this was outside of the three hours I had already done live TV in the morning. I didn't have to do the Robert De Niro thing. They could have sent somebody else. But I wanted to do it because it's fun. It's Robert De Niro. You're talking to me. And um, because it's a learning experience and doing something different out of the box, you have to be willing to show your bosses that you still love your job. And I do. How did you get that confidence to not be afraid to try anything and do anything, especially on air? Well, you know what? I think it comes with time and experience. I really do. I remember in the beginning, people would say, you know, you're not who you are, you know, outside of the job, you know, because I always tended to be loud in the Brooklyn accent and, uh, you know, telling jokes. But, you know, when you're on the air, you're afraid to kind of break out of the mold. And it took years to figure out what it meant to be yourself on the air. And I think it's just a matter of experience and time. Time now for your secrets. I'm Rosanna Scotto. My money secret is always buy on sale. And when you can get double sale, buy it immediately. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos with special help from J.R. Whalen. John Wardock is the executive producer of WSJ Podcasts. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. What's your secret? Let us know. Write podcasts at DowJones.com or on Twitter. Use hashtag Secrets of Wealthy Women.